0: This is the most fantastic story I've ever heard, and every word of it's true
1: too. That's the fantastic part of it. Didn't you really feel so bad because killing him felt so good, and why shouldn't it feel good? Oh, you must feel good to God. He does it all the time. is some of this, Michael. Be one of us.
0: Is, 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 is
1: that uh, absolutely necessary? should new at the what did he say? he's, he's afraid it is. Ah, oh, fine. I have come here to chew
0: bubble gum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum.
1: You see, you see, your stupid minds, stupid, stupid. Kill you, brother. You'll feel better. White right lines in the middle of the road. It's the worst place to drive.
0: Welcome to Cult of Classics, the podcast that loves the front of you, honey. We're going to be talking about Hedwig and the Angry Inch today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it's a
0: little adventure like Indiana Jones
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I am your host, Liam Kelly. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Tau, a.k.a. Trevor Alexander Peterson, a.k.a. You know, um, <laughs> Some opening thoughts on Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Um this movie was almost destined to have a cult following. Um, based on its own merit because it's a very good musical, but also because it's one of like, I don't know, three movies that had a wide release that features like not just not not a necessarily a like a trans character, but mm-hmm. like specifically a genderqueer protagonist. Yeah. Um, but um yeah. So it's essentially Uh, An elegy on self acceptance, and it's told through one of the wilder plots I've ever seen in a musical. Yeah, it gets straight crazy just because just based on the the just the backstory of the protagonist. That's also a strange thing. It's like the protagonist Hedwig tells a lot of the story through flashback and through song, and we get a lot of exposition.
1: Yeah, the songs are all about her life. Yeah and the stuff that you know shaped her to be where she is now. Yeah.
0: But the 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 kind of defining moment of Hedwig's life has already happened. And we yeah. don't really even learn about it. We we're it's alluded to, but we don't learn about what it is until like halfway through the movie. Um but yeah, to talk about how I'm going to refer to Hedwig, we call her call Hedwig she, we use she her um because Hedwig performs as a woman and calls herself one, but because of events in the plot, it's important to note that Hedwig, the whole basis of her character defies gender. She has like a singular gender. Right. Um, because of events in her life, and that's a lot of what the motherfucking movie
1: is about. Yeah, lot, that, <laughs> what, the, the one song that talks about like the origin of... Yeah. The origin of man or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the Origins, origin of love. The origin of love, that's right. And they how we all started out as they were like two two males that were attached to each other two women that were attached to each other and then mm-hmm. there was like a woman and a man that was attached yeah she's like i am of the earth Like she was like it was the sun people the, 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 moon. the moon people and the children of the earth and she was like i am a child of the earth
0: yeah so yeah so the, the movie is a lot about just it's it's about finding your true love and your soulmate but also like takes a wild turn into self-acceptance town yeah <laughs> and just a lot happens in the movie like it's only an hour and a half long but it's just it's like basically an hour and 20 minutes of exposition and then it's essentially all resolved in a song yeah <laughs> so excuse how heavily we're gonna focus on the first two acts here but to get right into act one uh Hedwig and the excellent use of songs is exposition
1: yeah
0: <laughs> we open on uh Hedwig performing tear me down which is kind of the the her big number to a half empty seafood chain called bilge waters where a lot of her following gigs it's there's a there's a there's like a very small interaction that happens almost off camera, where we see Hedwig's manager talking on the phone to somebody who said, "She's like, you mean to tell me we can perform at any bilge waters anywhere we want, all over the world?" So like, <laughs> they all they always are performing in um, these half-empty, like kind of dying seafood change called bilge waters. Um, it's a horrible name. Yeah, it really is bad. <laughs> Would you eat it at Bilgewater's? Hell no. I'm not. i not. Seafood buffet sounds like a nasty idea to me. Yeah,
1: I yeah. Because ugh, I get I get turned off by seafood, even in the ding. The little bit of ding and and dampness and. Yeah, but and this place is—it's is just like what
0: is, I don't—I don't know what fish and heat lamps have to do with one another, but I don't think they should ever be near one another. Never. Yeah, all that
1: bacteria.
0: <laughs> but during this song, Hedwig—it's it, just—is a big number that explains her geographical origin story, being born on um, the born in Berlin and then taken like the year she was born, the year that the Berlin Wall was erected, and her mother took her to the East Berlin side. Yeah. So her shit was bleak from the start um she was in that soviet era yeah um and she is you know now escaped to the US and she has like a cape that has graffiti on it like the graffiti that would have been on the east berlin side of the berlin yeah. wall it says like yankees uh yankees go home i think and then they, uh, one on one side and then on the other side it says like with me or something yeah. like that um but the this is gonna like kind of start establishing how the movie's gonna use nonlinear storytelling to give the viewer all the information that they need to process the story in a really cool way that balances like the current timeline plot and songs and crowd work segments that give like front load a lot of exposition and then flashbacks to actually keep you interested and invested in the story and who yeah. Hedwig was as a young a young person um, and informed of Hedwig's motivations as well as like what's going through her head at the at any given time because it's totally told through her point of view yeah um, we see Hedwig interact with Yitzhak after the show um, in the original stage show because this is a, an adaptation of a Originally, off Broadway show, and then show that moved uh, on to Broadway and on tour. After a good good number of t- years, um, we see a lot more backstory on Yitzhak, uh, who is a Jewish Croatian drag queen who marries Hedwig only after promising Hedwig never to perform in drag again. Which
1: is like that, that's not in the movie in at all. In the movie, no, at, at all. That actually, it was my biggest concern with the movie was. Whatever was going on between Hedwig and that character, uh, Yitzhak, mm-hmm. is not explained in any way, and yeah, and there's
0: just this wild tension yeah. that exists. And if you haven't like seen or read about the stage, because I've never seen the stage show, but if you haven't seen it or read about it, then it's just like Hedwig has this incredibly wild tension that just is counterbalancing this grand and like almost like mythic story about her life. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I guess there just wasn't time. John Cameron Mitchell, who plays Hedwig um, in the movie and who directed the movie, he also wrote the book for the musical, um, and you can really tell that he goes hard in the paint with his with his prose. He didn't write the songs, but he wrote the actual plot and all like all the actual all the lines and dialogue. Um, but yeah, I guess he just ran out of time because <laughs> we don't see any of that backstory. It makes a whole lot of sense that. Like, when we first see Yitzhak, she's, like, or he's putting a wig on, and when Hedwig enters the room that he's staying in, Yitzhak just, like, takes off the wig real fast, and he looks, like, really self-conscious. But they have, like, this whole contractual agreement.
1: I thought it was also interesting because, I mean, it's pretty clear to me that the person playing Yitzhak was born... um a female mm-hmm. is a woman is a woman is a woman Miriam Shore dressed uh, as a man who w- wants to play a woman. Yes. So it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, this is, this is interesting. And I was yeah. like the
0: layers, they really play with, with gender identity in this, in this movie, because like, on, and even in the show, the original stage show, um, that character is always class, like historically been played by a woman. Yeah. So, and I think John Cameron Mitchell said that he did that. He cast it that way just to intentionally kind of even further blur My, the line. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's a really, it's a really yeah. neat choice that just like, he's like, we're going to do some gender, some wild gender shit up in here. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Are be, you guys ready at the Bilgewater? About <laughs> be prepared at Bilgewater. <laughs> but the character gets like, I I believe is just supposed to be male, just a male who dress, dresses, who's character. Dresses in drag. Right. Yeah, the yeah. character. Um, but yeah, so a lot of that plot is <laughs> not fleshed out in the movie. Well, it just
1: it's not there.
0: Yeah, it's just there's just this like underlying tension that is explained later on. But it is clear in the movie that there is some resentment between them and they have a weird codependent relationship. Weird sexual thing too. Where weird sexual yeah. Kind
1: of like humps uh Yitzhak.
0: Yeah, and you like kind of assume they're having sex, but then like later on you find out that that would be impossible.
1: In a conventional way,
0: so in a conventional, yeah, yeah, in a conventional way, but it just, yeah, it's so we got wild shit going on from the jump. But it's obvious from the beginning of their relationship that Hedwig is intimidated by Yitzhak's natural talent because you have a man performing as a genderqueer woman who is singing, and then you have a woman performing as a man. So the Miriam Shore who plays Yitzhak has this like incredibly high like high pitch voice golden yeah. rock voice like yeah. when you think about fucking steve perry and like all of the the glam rockers of the 80s they all had these like insane high tenors yeah and hedwig does not have that
1: incredible of a
0: voice. no hedwig has like sort of a, just a normal baritone
1: yeah just kind of a normal range yeah
0: and so we but we see that it's in, illustrated by like y- Hedwig unplugging Yitzhak's mic at the end of Tear Me Down yeah. when she's going cr- when he's going crazy, like really letting it rip. And Yitzhak's fear that Hedwig will see him wearing one of her wigs. So Hedwig's next gig exposition through crowd work instead of a song. This time we learn about the the main the a plot of the movie, which is Hedwig's ongoing lawsuit against Tommy Gnosis and their their conflict um he's a hugely successful rock star who's stolen Hedwig's work and Hedwig's ex-lover and after the gig we learned that Hedwig is following Tommy's tour um as a big
1: fuck you to that plagiarizing old son of a bitch yeah and it's it's you know doubly personal and we as the audience feel more and more invested in Hedwig getting some kind of uh vengeance or resolution because these aren't just songs that burst forth from her mind one day and like you've stolen her creative license. These are songs that came directly from tragedies Mm -hmm. in her life, her life story. These songs are her life story. They tell, you know what she's been through. Yeah. And this person who
0: Hedwig has trusted previously is now taken, not just her, her music, but her 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 story, yeah. and is profiting off of him while she's playing at Bilgewater's. So we get our first flashback after this. We take a look back into Hedwig's childhood in East Berlin, and shit is bleak back here. Um, oh yeah, her dad was an
1: American GI who abused. That was a really weird scene because it was, it was like it looked like he was. They were just lying in the bed together, but by the mother's reaction, yeah. If we believe the mother to be sane, which is it not hundred percent up clear? in the air? Yeah, not hundred percent clear that that is the case in this film. Um, then, yeah, he he abused uh, Hedwig. Yeah, and then left,
0: and then from from there and though that, we we introduced the diary.
1: Well, yeah, I also I guess that was like what spurned her to go to East Berlin yeah well i think she had already gone because he's the gi yeah so he couldn't have been there but then
0: well then later i think there were american gi's in east berlin because later when luther meets hedwig
1: oh yeah he does sneak in
0: he does kind of sneak in i don't know what's going. it's very the the details are muddied but it's more of like a tone yeah, 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 yeah they hear the camera work changes the the color filter changes it's very gray it's very blue yeah and we get like a real feeling of how depressing a place like East Berlin can be in general but particularly to like what we presume is like a young gay boy yeah. in the 60s so like um but then Hedwig introduces uh her diary that she's found which is like it's kind of a running thing in the in the movie she she does she uses projections to show cartoons and pictures and she has like these audiovisual presentations that go along with her shows, which is really cool. It is really cool as fuck. Yeah. And this one, then we get, um, the origin of love, which is my favorite song. I think it's the best song. I think it's the best song Uh, and it's a big number plot wise because it's essentially setting out Hedwig's like thesis on what it means to be whole as a person. Yeah. So, and like what, what she's seeking, to find in life. And it's it's actually cool. This is based on um, Aristophanes' speech in Plato's Symposium. Um, and it puts forth the idea that humans were originally, like we were talking about at the top of the show, sets of two people in one body yeah. with two faces on a head, four arms, four legs, and they were split by Zeus uh, as punishment for attempting to overpower the gods. Um, and Hedwig's outlook, as she, she explains here is basically that everyone has a soulmate who they've been separated from and must find them to be complete. So that like before people were separated by Zeus, there wasn't any such thing as love because there was no need to find your soulmate. So love originated with the need to find your other half. Um, And that just becomes important because it's so important to the movie because it's eventually overwhelmed by Hedwig's like self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. So we get to flashback number two, Hedwig and Sugar Daddy Luther. <laughs> I
1: fucking love Sugar Daddy Luther. He-
0: <laughs> Sugar
1: Daddy Luther is a wild character. He is a wild character. He's a piece of shit. Yeah real big piece of shit
0: but he's he's just like he is wild as fuck though to give somebody essentially like four or five lines and it's and to, yeah. to have the, like this the actor did a phenomenal job It's so much impact yeah it's huge huge impact on the story he's on screen for maybe like two minutes yeah. and, but he's just got that like big smile like it's almost like a car salesman smile yeah and like he's just very like charming and he's also you know wooing this Young man from East Berlin yeah. with candy that actually has sugar in it. Yeah, he actually,
1: <laughs> which is a hilarious fucking joke on his junk. Yeah, too. Like he, he 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 puts it on his junk. So it really is
0: just like showing. Just this movie's all about dualities. So like we see the duality of Hedwig's gender and story from like going to being born as a man to morphing into Hedwig like a singular thing, but also you know taking on living as a woman. Right. Eventually, and we see the duality between like. Eastern block, like American influenced Hedwig, but also like fully realized American Hedwig and just the Eastern, like Eastern Berlin and Western Berlin. It's all about like walls basically. Mm -hmm. Um, but we learn about, yeah, Hedwig falling in love with and marrying um, Luther, who's an American GI, who has the deepest voice ever, <laughs> ever, <laughs> and gives her lots of candy. Uh, and this Cause is cause where... He's a sugar daddy. Because he is a sugar daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where we learn about the, the angry inch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Mary Luther in East Berlin, H- Hedwig, who's previously uh, Hansel has to have a sex change operation as before there, because before they can get married, there's going to be a full physical inspection because East Berlin was an authoritarian hellscape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the operation is botched, which leaves Hedwig with the, the angry inch, which is like essentially just a mound of flesh where yeah. there was supposed to be like a surgically constructed vagina.
1: In the song, they, yeah, they're, they're pretty explicit. You know, yeah. Where they're just like, I don't, the vagi- I don't have a vagina. Yeah, I don't have a penis. It's
0: like I have I an have angry inch, an, a
1: mound. Yeah,
0: and, with an a, inch, with like a scar, like a like a sideways grimace. It's like six inches
1: forward and five inches back. Yeah, I got it's, an angry inch.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it, this is where the big gender stuff starts to come into play, and this also establishes why we don't call why Hedwig is not a trans character, because um, her operation was coerced like she ultimately does take on the more female personality and persona because it's pretty much the only option that she has. Um, but Hedwig has her own gender because it's like, it's not like she was yearning to become a woman. She sort of just did it as a forced play to get out of East Berlin, get out of East Berlin and to be with Luther, who I think she actually loved. Um, so
1: and her mama also is really in the wrong here cuz she just like she's like go for it.
0: Yeah, her mom's just like, "Hey, sometimes, you know, you got to give up something to to
1: get what you want." Which is wild. The mom character is strange because she seemed perfectly happy to live in East Berlin but also to and fully teach support sculpture to limbless children. Yeah. Is her job. Yeah. And Loves tomatoes.
0: Yeah. Loves to throw tomatoes uh, at Hedwig. Throw like stewed tomatoes at people,
1: (laughs) which is just... That's like a running theme throughout Hedwig's childhood. That happens more than once. Uh, Yeah. I guess it's just what's like one of the most unappetizing things you could just eat is a stewed tomato. Yeah. Just like cooked tomatoes.
0: But then we see Hedwig, you know, just start eating the tomato. Which well, is like,
1: it, yeah, it's all fucking nose.
0: Yeah, because there's no like, it's not like, yuck, tomato. It's like, ooh, a, a something with a th- color, a food, something with color, a food. Good, <laughs> thank you, mama. So I do not die because <laughs> I'm hungry all the time. <laughs> so, so yeah. After we learn about the angry inch, that brings us into Act Two, which is um, now there's trouble in Junction City. So we're flashing back. Still, we learn about. Luther leaving Hedwig on their first anniversary, which is the same day that the Berlin Wall is destroyed. But you, as like an audience member,
1: feel so much... It hits you in the gut. The anger with Hedwig. And because it's your first thought, too, because you're like, wait, when was the Berlin Wall destroyed? When was their sex change
0: mm-hmm.
1: operation? So if she just waited like a month? Well, like a year. A year. A year, a a year, year
0: after they were... A year after she and, and Luther get married, the broke. Berlin Wall comes down. Yeah. So, And Luther leaves her so she's left alone and finds out that her sex change operation that was botched was essentially pointless on the same day and we get another big number like it's called wig in a box which is about uh Hedwig coming to terms with living as a woman but like almost as like a kind of like a, a grudging acceptance that morphs into something that she's excited about um this is when she decides to go back to her first love which was rock and roll um and in between flashbacks, and um,
1: she's tricking too.
0: Yeah, she's tricking. She's babysitting. Yeah, um, and we get a little bit more of this at right after this number. We sort of learn more about. Uh, head, this is when we get into Hedwig and Tommy's story. So. Um, in between flashbacks hedwig and the gang they try and uh her her eastern european band who she keeps all the passports for <laughs> is, right <laughs> is uh, they they go and they try and crash a tommy gnosis meet and greet um so that they can get a photo of hedwig and tommy together to put some more credence to their lawsuit and the, their claims that tommy has stolen all these songs from hedwig and it goes poorly <laughs> they just get flipped right around yeah um during uh, a a real big freakout on Hedwig's part in a laundromat where she completely loses her shit on one of her band members about drying a bra, um, which is a big deal, but not that big a deal. She does lose it. She loses it. Like, she goes off. It's a little scary. Yeah. (laughs) Yitzhak, at this point, after seeing Hedwig lose it on one of the bandmates, decides to audition for Rent um, for the character of Angel, which is interesting because... um, James Cameron Mitchell turned down an opportunity to play Angel in Rent because he was doing Hedwig uh, when it first started. Um, And this is where Hedwig just like truly begins to unravel. Um, She hangs out with her fans after a little while uh, on a pile of tires just out somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I love this scene. Yeah, the set pieces are really good. And this is like... Between this and some of the... And really the scene between Hedwig and Yitzhak in the beginning when they're in the hotel room after their first gig... With all the wigs? Yeah, you really get a sense of John Cameron Mitchell as a writer. And the way he writes Hedwig is just very smart and very interesting because he creates this like... And honestly, the way he decided to tell the story with a nonlinear timeline between getting all of this information from songs and then seeing the, the backstory through flashbacks, you create this like mythic character. Yeah. And then the way that H- Hedwig interacts with her fans is so just like quick and snappy and funny yeah. that like she holds court really y- well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's she's she's a great character and and I'm I'm impressed with John Cameron Mitchell as a writer, um, but while she while Hedwig's hanging out with her fans on a pile of tires, uh, she tells the tale of her and Tommy. And she's like, "Tommy, can you hear me <laughs> from this milkless tit you suck? The very business we call show." <laughs> <laughs> but we learn about Hedwig meeting Tommy as a teenage boy who's the son of a general. Um, who is employing Hedwig as a babysitter for a younger child? And these these flashbacks are, are wild because it almost takes on like the film the, the way it's shot just kind of reminds me of this like early Tim Burton like Edward Scissorhands style yeah of shooting where like we see Tommy in a bathtub but it's just like a super close up on his face and he's way too low down in the water and he's like jerking off he's jerking off and then like Hedwig's like kind of walking by and sees him and then all of a sudden it's just like. <laughs> Just finishes it up real quick. It's just it's just their business. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that this this part is like where the character of Hedwig started because John Cameron Mitchell is actually the son of uh, I think a uh, navy gen, uh, or army general. Yeah,
1: um, and this is a little fucked up though when you think about it because mm-hmm. like Hedwig was uh, in a relationship when she was probably underage. Yeah. I don't think we ever get like explicit about it. I think she was like 16, 17, maybe. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Well, she was born in 63 and then the Berlin wall came down in what, like 88, 89. Yeah. So she would have been in her like mid twenties. Okay. So
1: she was, that's right. She was in her mid twenties, but how old is Tommy? No. Tommy here is like 16 or 17. Yeah. It's not, it's not super cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: because <laughs> yeah. like Tommy at this point, is, uh, Hedwig at this point is at least in her late twenties, maybe like early mid thirties. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly like what date this happens, but yeah, it's wild. But it's Hedwig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we learned that like in addition to you know some 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 tub jerkins, that Hedwig also <laughs> took took Tommy under her wing and taught him like everything he knows about like modern rock. Cause he was listening to Boston and Asia and Europe and like all the, the old super classic rock yeah. bands. But yeah. then she teaches him about Bowie and
1: Bowie is like a huge influence on Hedwig's whole uh, style and everything. You can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Like Bowie is like, I mean, there's a lot of influences and she goes over them when she's talking about being a, a little, a little boy Hansel and her musical influences. And she, she talks about them in detail, but I, I Bowie was the one that I thought was the most obvious.
0: Yeah, Bowie, and then like Lou Reed music. Yeah, Lou Reed, yep. Those musically. are like those are probably the two biggest. But then, yeah, there's like if you're if you're wondering about her influences, she gives a full blown list. <laughs> like, she does. She really gives the whole the whole repertoire.
1: Tommy knows his first Caesar though. Um, in she's got like a like a Korean band. Yeah. Or something. She's playing in a band with all the Korean army wives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> in like a tiny little venue. I think that's always, that's one of the cool things about the film that it sets up with bilge waters and little performances <laughs> outside in the rain mm-hmm. and stuff is that like the music is so rocking and, and good that it could be in like a real venue, but she's always been playing in these little shithole gigs. Yeah. Like her whole life has just been... A shithole gig after a shithole gig yeah like everything like it's just been she's had not one
0: good break no and at their second gig in the movie like when we find out that she's following tommy gnosis on tour she like slams open the door to Bilgewaters and he's like performing in an arena yeah and you hear her music being yeah. performed in this arena and you're like oh damn fits yeah <laughs> like, I mean the music is good yeah the music is really good and I really love this scene I know we kind of skipped over it but like before she starts talking about like just speaking of these venues before she starts talking about her childhood and we get more of a flashback to like her her first childhood flashback she's playing it like almost like a Lilith Fair like it's like a like a Lilith Fair type I think it's called like the menses fair yeah. something like that <laughs> which is again hilarious but um, she's performing to one Fan on a lone hill over by the porter potties. So like, and they she invites the fan to come hear her story. Yeah, and like, but like, even at this festival, she she is isolated. Yeah, and that's. I mean, that's it. It's a really good image, and it stacks up like a lot of what Hedwig's character feels for a lot of her life, which is just this isolation of being sort of the only person like her that's out there.
1: Yeah, not a lot of people that have were raised in east berlin had a botched sex change operation were divorced by a, a gi <laughs> yeah. and, like, and then also became a rock star <laughs> also yeah had an affair with a teenage boy and then had her music stolen
0: yeah and then like used to become an overnight sensation
1: it's just an incredible story it really about- this
0: this this the scale of the story is really so huge but it's told through these these tiny little venues and tiny hotel rooms and it's like it's just from the the it's the it's an ultimate underdog story in addition to everything else that it is um but yeah so we what if we learn about tommy they they you know they grow from performing in laundromats with korean army wives as a backup band to uh outselling monster (coughs) trucks in wichita which is a big deal for hedwig um but things fall apart when tommy finds out about hedwig's uh sex change operation so apparently the whole time they've been writing and sleeping together tommy has never looked at paid any attention to the front of hedwig maybe you know out of intentional ignorance yeah but the scene where it all kind of falls apart for them before when they're just like before that before Tommy reaches down Hedwig's pants and finds out that she's had a botched sex change operation like when they're when they're moving through all the clothes hanging on lines in Hedwig's trailer like it's actually a really sweet scene between yeah. the two of them it is um, but it does really also illustrate how much of a sort of like a, a maternal figure that Hedwig is to Tommy in this moment too because when he originally comes in he's, like, crying about his dad. Yeah. And Hedwig comforts him, and then they, you know, move into writing their hit and then sleeping together. And then when Tommy finds out about Hedwig, he just loses it and runs away. And that's where we get the, love the front of me, honey! Yeah. Love the front of me! Well, yeah,
1: because that gets real intense.
0: Yeah, because Hedwig has... A lot of shit to deal with. Like right. we see it have like through all of these 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 blowups, we see like how being isolated in this way is affected Hedwig, and like she's really self conscious about herself. At the end of the day, like she comes. That's whole the, with Wig in a box when she decides to, go, to just fully take on this the her her female personality that she's. It, it comes out of a place of desperation. Like it comes from a place of being left alone and you know, finding out that she had this needless botched sex change surgery. Yeah. So um, back in the present, things are also falling apart (laughs) because Yitzhak is going to go leave to play Angel in Rent. Yitzhak gets the part, but Hedwig in a super tense scene between the two of them rips up Yitzhak's passport and everyone is big mad about this like their manager decides to go ahead and leave aka her manager aka the mom from my big fat greek wedding (laughs) decides to leave Yitzhak is like broken at this point because I mean they're married we don't really flesh that out but Yitzhak and Hedwig are married at this point and she is also trying to like she's helping Hedwig follow around her like lost love who took all of her song. like it's a crazy dynamic yeah. and one thing that I love especially with Yitzhak and Hedwig's relationship is that John Cameron Mitchell maybe just through the sheer like blessing in disguise of not having as much time to tell this huge story but there's not they're, they're not unstoppable exposition machines at one another they have yeah. these like incredibly like subtle and and intense scenes between them where they leave a lot unsaid because there's no reason to to for them to say like you did this to me and you did that to me and that's why i'm mad at you for this and you can and i have these feelings because of what
1: happened to me it's just like (laughs) we know that there's some deep pain yeah and it's just
0: this scene is, is is really good because we just see that like this is where every everything about Hedwig's life that's gone awry so far is really getting away from her, and things are starting to, to truly fall apart. And it brings us into Act Three, which is fever dreams and resolution. <laughs> um, so, after everybody quits, uh, Hedwig is tricking, working as a prostitute. When who drives up to her in an alley? But but old Tommy knows. Him. Old Tommy knows this in a limo, and they sort of make up and make out and Tommy insinuates that he's going to give Hedwig uh, songwriting credit because he like, he takes yeah. an album and he writes her name on it next to his. Um, and they're macking in the limo while driving when they run into a truck and the press is like immediately all over it And once tommy's business is finally out his truth is finally out his popularity starts to decline and everything starts coming up Hedwig like yeah, she yeah, she's yeah. on magazine covers and she's still playing bilgewaters, but now she's playing bilgewaters times square Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> and like, um, this is where we cut to Bill's water's Times square on new year's eve. And this is in the, where in the movie that linear time ceases to exist. Yeah. And we enter full on fever dream mode for the remainder of the movie. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. the rest of the movie is going to exist in this crazy dreamlike space where you're not one hundo on what's real and what's not yeah, at all. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but, um, Hedwig has a breakthrough while performing All Sewn Up, which is like this super punky, uh, another song about her sex change operation and just like living and coping with that. And she begins smashing this guitar and her whole life starts <laughs> flashing before her eyes. Like, it's like smash guitar, cut to her and Tommy as, as younger people, smash guitar, cut to East Berlin, smash guitar, cut to Luther, smash guitar, cut to, you know, Bill's Waters of, of Prior, And we... Uh, she she tears off her drag in this moment like she Yeah, that
1: that part is gone after this.
0: Yeah, at this point she when she enters she's wearing this sort of like clear it's almost like a it's a dress made out of tape, but she's still in full drag. Um but she tears off her drag and then she will not be in drag again for the remainder of the movie. So, she leaves Bill's Waters and just kind of emerges into this empty sound stage where Tommy Gnosis is there like shirtless in leather pants like he would be playing to a huge crowd of people, but it's just Hedwig in this room. And he's performing for her. And they at this point, they look almost identical because um, when Hedwig takes off her wig, she has hair that's basically the same as, as Tommy's. She's shirtless. She's wearing shorts instead of pants. And Tommy's song is basically an apology to Hedwig like he finishes singing his part of the song and they do like to even to, to add to the blurred like dreamline where we don't know what's real and what's not as he's finishing his song he stops mouthing the words and I mean the song like the lyrics continue in the background but he's not physically singing and he mouths goodbye to Hedwig and it's difficult to tell you know what this is, if we're supposed to take this as a genuine interaction between them or not, Um, and I'll get, I'll (laughs) elaborate on that in a second, but I take it to mean that at this point, Hedwig's gained closure on her affair with and betrayal by Tommy. Um, And after their scene together, we cut back to Bilgewater's, I think, (laughs) where (laughs) the set, this is why I'm not sure like if this is supposed to be real or not because when we get cut back to, back to quote-unquote, reality, Bilgewater's is completely different. And, like, it's set up like a an all-white, like, Studio 54-style club. Yeah, yeah. And we... The, the Hedwig's band is all in different costumes. Like, the set is completely different. And Hedwig is different than she originally even looked... After she tore off her drag and left the bar the first time. So, Hedwig's now... Shirtless and shorts, lost her wig, and she now has Tommy Gnosis's uh, signature cross painted onto her head. And we get this big final number where Hedwig gives Yitzhak her wig as an apology, which is like we're assuming that Yitzhak is now allowed to dress and drag again, even though we don't know about that as <laughs> movie viewers, you have to yeah. have seen the show. Um, and presuming presumably like letting him leave to go be in rent. Um, and at the end of the song, an animation comes up, similar to the, the Origins of Love animation, that shows two halves of a head consuming one another and eventually, like, joining into one whole. Um, and we cut to Hedwig, who's now, I, I guess, like, fully realized as a person walking naked, like, no makeup, no wig, no clothes, down an alley, just into the street, and just, Heavy theme up in this bitch to round it out. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, and I mean like that's the end. Like we that's don't get, the end, yeah. there's, there's not like concrete 100% closure <laughs> on anything in the movie. Cause you are unsure of what happened. Cause
1: this last sequence takes like 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It it's, is one long song fever dream. That's exactly what it is. And it's cool. It's cool. It, 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 it feels like kind of that, 80s Lou Reed, like rock opera Mm -hmm. kind of feel like some Sam Shepard kind of shit where it's just, you know, you just, you're supposed to take away, uh, like your, your through line happened earlier and you better have a strong enough grip on the themes (laughs) of this piece because here is where they're really like letting their, the freak flag fly as a writer and being like, this is where we just get wild. Yeah. Like this is where we, we step off the reservation and go into really theoretical and th- like, we're not, we're not doing traditional ideas of uh plot here We're we're yeah. more in like fairy tale, you know, yeah, we're wild like wild land.
0: Yeah. We're like plot is gone. This is yeah. the land of metaphor. Yeah. Like that, this, yeah, that's this what is, it is, this is the land of imagery. <laughs> like this is, this is where we're going to tell you the story through, literally, just ideas. Yeah, and
1: I think it's really cool. Like, cause it's it's it's, di- cool. it's great. I, I'm sorry to interrupt no, go you. I'm just saying, I think it's great because there was a plot all the way through, and then you save this for the end. Like you've built up to it, and that's why it works. And it, I think a lot of times people try to do this, or when I've seen this before, when it gets too the metaphor, it can get it's rough for the viewer because mm-hmm. they're just asking a lot for you and they, and they haven't set it up. This was set up really well and you don't need like a, uh, th- this is what happens to Hedwig kind of a resolution to this. Yeah. Um, the, what we get works mm-hmm. uh, and we did, we did have lines that we could follow to get here so that we're not just left being like, well, what the fuck did I just watch? What was that yeah. jumbling mass of feelings and ideas? Like it's it, like, no, 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 they, we have a lot of concrete things to go off of. So when they, when they go full, full tone poem, yeah, Yeah. then, then it's, we're, we're okay. We're, we're, we're grounded in so much, Mm -hmm. um, just actual storytelling. And
0: I also think it works because so much of the, the motivation of the plot and so much of your stakes as a viewer are, you're just invested in like who Hedwig is as a person. Yeah. Yeah. And even if this all takes place inside her head, it's fine.
1: That's all fine. Because
0: it, all that matters, you're, you're just invested in, like, how she... Her mental health. Yeah, how she's coping and, like, who she's becoming. Because this whole... She's becoming and becoming and becoming and becoming this entire story. Yeah. And at the end of it, we can, you know, assume that she's either, you know, fully realized and, and confident and content with who she is. Or at least that she's, like, open to, like accepting another like a new start a new chapter in her life
1: yeah i mean that walking naked you know like her sex change operation Mm -hmm. is kind of a big point of you know i guess shame or concern with hers but when she walks naked down an alleyway and i mean it's just a big wide shot on like a fucking crane Mm -hmm. and just pulls back and back and back and it's just a naked person walking down the street
0: and it also shows her it's like a it's like a birthing canal almost yeah. you know like you see her walking through this dark like through this dark alley towards light towards people yeah. completely naked as if to say like what's up yeah <laughs> what's up? <laughs> <laughs> like this is this is who the fuck i am been real i've been doing some wild shit but like y'all won't see <laughs> <laughs> so closing thoughts on hedwig um It's a lot of front-loading of information. uh, And it's expertly delivered exposition through dialogue, song, and flashbacks. Um, But the themes of identity struggle and duality and ultimately, like, individualism and, like, self-acceptance and and mental health are very strongly delivered. Um, But I do think that the nonlinear timeline in this is a bit of a double-edged sword in that the pacing of the movie can be frenetic and, t- and choppy at times. Like, it's it's put together very well, but there are moments where it's just like, and now we're here, and now we're here, and now we're here. Um, the music was developed in a series of shows in rock clubs before the the actual book for the musical was ever put together, which I think was really cool and actually really shines through because it's not super broadway at no, all. No, no. The music is very good. And just it's just,
1: like, legitimately good songs.
0: Yeah, Eastern Block, like, 60s, 70s, like,
1: German rock. rock. Yeah, it's very
0: cool. Um and the movie is really big in terms of just sheer amount of stuff that happens in the plot, but also as well as like the super heady topics that it deals with. The ending is obtuse and it is almost as if there was too much metaphor and theme work going on to neatly wrap up Hedwig's story. But, I mean, we talked about that. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's still, it still works, even though it's not like there's not a bow on it. And it may actually even be better because it's just told through imagery and, like, yeah. <laughs> metaphor. Yeah. So um, I give it 11 out of 13 wig boxes, and I am in the cult. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what 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 are your closing thoughts, Tarver? i I I'm in the cult too. I like this movie a lot. I really did. It surprised me. I think the the key thing for me was just the music was good mm-hmm. and I cared about Hedwig. Yeah. Like the writing of her character was really good. Uh the performance of her by John Cameron Mitchell was really good and the music was really good. So they did all like the super important foundational legwork mm-hmm. that then like, okay, I'm now invested. I will follow you down these wild rabbit holes because you've made all the elements of this story really enjoyable for me. So yeah. because of that, I really like it. Um, I also, just on a side note, think it's really crazy because like John Cameron Mitchell, uh, you don't really realize how small yeah the actor is. and uh, He's a really the,
0: slight man.
1: Yeah, until the end, but just commands so much. Oh yeah, uh, respect and presence, and uh, just feels so big. Yeah. Uh, as an individual, just with all that confidence, um, which is just really kind of cool to see.
0: Yeah, it just really like earns your attention immediately. Yeah. Like, and you don't at no point are you like fed up with Hedwig as a character. No. Like, anytime she's delivering dialogue, especially telling a story, like you're you're wrapped around her finger because it's just so captivating. Yeah, it's captivating, interesting, and she is an excellent showman. Like, she's really good at what she does. and um, Yeah, so that's Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, If you want, you know, to listen to more Cult of Classics, check out our back catalog. We'll also be having new episodes coming out every week. Um, And if you would like to contribute to our overall mission as podcasters you can check out uh tap snaps our other podcast with our with our co-host blake Blake weatherly and you can check us out on patreon at patreon.com slash tap snaps